This is the Big Church Podcast. Sometimes something as simple as I'm sorry can change something in your life. So a lot of times we come into church and this word might be a little bit rough this morning, but sometimes we come into church with our own agenda. We come into a church where what can I get today or what can I, instead of what can I give today? And so many times we stand in worship and we want to receive and, and God, you got to do this for me, that. And sometimes he just, he wants us to say, I'm sorry that I came in here wanting something from you. God wants to give you something, but sometimes you got to give something back in return. And that's what worship is. Worship is giving him the adoration that he deserves. It's giving him, it's telling him and letting him know who he is in your life. So let's, let's change our mindset. Over the next few weeks, we're going we're gonna to go. At the, the sermon series is called Going Deeper. We're going to go deeper. And, and it may take a little time to get deeper, but I believe that's where God wants us to go. So let's, you know, let's give Jesus the hand clap of praise he deserves this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can I say, first of all, this stage is so lit up. And I want to thank the production team. I want to thank the people that don't get any accolades for, I mean, this, this thing is, James was up here the other day, and he, he got this thing lit up like a boss, man. I'm about to get a suntan up in here. But I want to thank the production team. I want to thank the worship team. I want to thank all the people who go behind the scenes that you don't see. Come on, come on. You don't see what they do every week. You see a microphone, you see uh, the songs, but you don't see what goes on behind. So I want to thank Melanie and, and Gary and James and all that are, that are back behind the scenes sometimes. So huh, how many's ready to go deeper? Well, at the end of this message, I'm going to ask you again, and you may change your mind just a little bit on that. But last week, oh, Pastor Mindy, over the last two weeks, had she brought some fire up in here, didn't she? She first of all told us you can't quit. You have, to, you have to keep going no matter what you can. And then the next week she said, go on, you can be a quitter. <laughs> but she told us about the things that we can't quit, but also the things that we must quit. But over the next few weeks, we're going to start a series called Going Deeper. Let's go deeper or going deeper. I might have that wrong. If I do, I apologize. But what we're going to do is we're going to try to understand. We're going to help you understand going to help you be equipped and give you the tools to go deeper. Today I want to talk to you just a little bit about the early church and Paul. And Paul had planted a church in Corinth and he started out really strong. I mean, he, he got them going, he got the things up and running for them, and then he left to go plant another church. Well, he, after a little while he heard back that things had changed quite a bit uh, since the time he had left. And, and what had happened is the church was comprised, I'm giving you all a little, a little background, it was comprised of mostly Jews, and there was a bunch of Gentiles uh, mixed in with them. And man, the Jews back at that time, they thought they were the Mac Daddy. They thought they knew everything because they knew the scriptures, they, knew, uh, they, they felt like they were closer to God, and, and they felt like the Gentiles were just lesser than. They thought they were better than, they thought they were even superior than, because they knew it all. Y'all got any know-it-alls in your life? Oh, that's another message all in its own right there. But they had, they had knowledge, but they lacked love. And what happens when you do that, it turns into being arrogant. 
It turns into me thinking that I'm better than anyone else. There was also going on, it doesn't happen in this church. There was also some cliques going on, right? They had their own little groups over here. They were doing their thing, and they were doing theirs, and they were talking about each other. We, and we don't have anybody that does that in here at all. And after a while, sin crept in. Before too long, there was a lot of other things that was going on. And here's what he's doing. He's writing a letter to them to correct them. But here's what he does first. And my lovely wife has taught me, if you're going to correct someone, start out by telling them something positive. You're positively terrible. No. <laughs> Joking. But he starts, out, he starts out affirming them and reminding them of whose they are. He starts telling, he says, I thank God for you, and I pray for you. And he said, I'm going to let you all know that some of y'all are doing pretty good. This letter is not to correct everyone. And that's what I'm saying this morning with this message. This, more, this message is not to correct everyone. It's to bring correction where it needs to be corrected to. Paul had every reason. Paul had every reason to be angry with the Corinthians. You know what he'd done? He preached to them. He taught them. He disciplined them. He poured his whole life into them. And this is how they had chose to act. He says, why are you all acting so high and mighty? When I left y'all, y'all were just starting out, but you're acting like you're better than you are. And you've allowed thing, things to come in, and you've turned into a bunch of hypocrites. Oh, I'm going on. He says to them, he said, listen, in 1 Corinthians 2, in the message version, he said, wasn't I plain and simple? He said, you'll remember, friends, that when I first came to you to let you in on God's master plan, master stroke, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy. I deliberately listened to this, kept it plain and simple. First, Jesus and who he is and Jesus and what he can do. Jesus crucified. If you think about it, John the Baptist was one of the most influential people in the world, right? In, in the whole Bible world, in the New Testament. But what John the Baptist dressed in camel skins, right? He lived in the desert. I don't have camel skin. I don't know why I did that. But he lived in the desert. <laughs> Shut up, Richard. And he ate grasshoppers. But here's the thing. When John came out of the wilderness, there was nothing complicated about him. When he came out of the wilderness, he had spoke a prophetic word. God had not spoken to, God had not spoken to anyone in 400 years. And guess what? John comes right out of the wilderness, and what does he do? He starts, pro, he starts uh, delivering a message. Here's his message. I, wonder, I don't know how long it probably took him to write it, but he said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He got called to the church down the street for revival. And his message was, repent, for the kingdom of the Lord is at hand. He got called to the conference over there to preach. And guess what his message was? Repent, for the kingdom of the Lord is at hand. There was nothing complicated about it. But he had the power of the Holy Ghost behind him. Oh, what a simple message. This message this morning, you're going to tune me out as soon as I tell you the title of it. It's called Grow Up. So how do we get deeper? How are we going to go to that place? Well, we have to grow up. First of all, I'm going to take you down the list of here. And this may seem elementary to you, some of you all that's been in church your whole life. But why don't you pray for the person who's their first time today? 
Why don't you instead of this absorb what God is trying to say right now and say, God, let the ears of those who've never heard the gospel be opened this morning. The first thing we got to do, and I'm going, we're going on the ABCs here, understand salvation. What does it mean to be saved? Come on. I grew up. Everybody knew what it needed to be saved, right? Oh, I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. Now you go out into a crowd of maybe the younger people. You're saved from what? You know what I'm talking about. They have no concept or no understanding of what salvation or being saved is. So I just want to take you down the list to tell you. First, being saved, it means you've got to confess and agree with God that you're a sinner. First and foremost, I know we give the altar call every week and we think this is so uh, easily. Yeah, take notes. This is a good time to take notes here in just a little bit. You first must confess and you've got to agree with God that you're a sinner. My dad's whole thing about not becoming a Christian because he played on the Christian softball team. Oh, I'm about to get in trouble. And he was better than the rest of them. He said, I didn't drink. I didn't cuss. I didn't cheat on my wife. And this was the Christian softball team. So he started adjusting himself and looking at them and saying, I don't need salvation because I'm better than they are. So many times, you know, the, the things that we do around us can impact someone and we don't even know it. Romans 3.23 says this, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Not somebody, not this person. That Everyone in here right now used to be a sinner. If you're still sinning, stop. That's supposed to be funny. Not really. Next thing you got to do is you got to acknowledge that you need a savior. You got to realize who Jesus is. There's people, there's religions, there's movements who have steered people in the wrong direction. But let me tell you the direction you need to go. John 14:6 says, "I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life." It said, "No man comes to the Father but by me. There is no other way but through Jesus Christ." There is no other way through the gospel, through Jesus Christ. You cannot have access to the Father without Jesus Christ. Oh, you're getting a good old basic message this morning. Jesus is the way. If you don't know which way you're going, look to him. He's the truth. When you get the truth, what does it do? It'll set you free and it'll lead you to life. The way, the truth, and the life. You have to reveal to heal. And remember, if you confess, it says he's just and he's faithful to forgive you. That ain't one time, thank the Lord. How many's glad in here God didn't just forgive you once? Everybody should have their hand up now. I'm thankful for the umpteenth hundredth time that God took care of me. He says you're not guilty. And, you, and, and because Jesus said you're not guilty, that means you can release your guilt. He said you're not guilty, so that tells me that you can release that thing that you've been holding on to, that thing that, that keeps creeping up on you and talking to you every single night, that thing that, that keeps going behind you. You've got to turn around and say, not guilty, devil. I'm not guilty. Sometimes you've got to talk to the devil that way. You are born again. You were under the penalty of sin. You were dead you were dead, eternally lost, and you were separated from God. But listen, if you accept Jesus, you received a free gift. It didn't cost you anything. It cost him everything. You get a free gift of salvation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I am going to need that water, babe. 
2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. It says, therefore, listen to this. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. You have a new birth. You are alive spiritually, and you've become a child of God. But listen, just because you become a child of God, just because you become a Christian, that doesn't mean that your life's going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have, you know, it's all going to be rainbows and butterflies, and it's not going to always be perfect. And even Jesus said, this is not going to be easy. But he did say this. He said, it's not going to be easy, but I will stick with you until the end. He said, I'm going to stick closer than a brother. He said, I'm going to be the anchor when the storms of life are coming over you. I'm going to be that person that you need. He said, I'm going to give you a personal, in-touch relationship with me. Salvation is also being justified by God through Jesus. You know what justification is? I'm going to give you the definition, and I'm going to give you my hillbilly definition. Justification is the action of declaring or making righteous in the sight of God. You can't be righteous enough. You can't be righteous enough. You can't be holy enough. But I like justification. Here's the hillbilly one. Just as if I didn't do it. Just as if I didn't do it. That's what Jesus says. says, it's just as if you didn't do it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on here real quick. How do we go deeper? Embrace the journey. Drink. Here's another word. I grew up in church my whole life, and I remember those seasoned people. I'm going to talk about some seasoned people here in a few minutes. They say, I'm, I'm saved, and I'm sanctified, and I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on, anybody ever heard anybody get up there and they start their, their testimony service like I've been saved and sanctified and I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. But sanctification is this. It refers to a state or a process of being set apart and made holy. And again, we can't make ourselves holy because of our sin nature. Only God can make us holy. But listen, we can't stop our Christian walk just because we said a prayer. We can't just raise our hand and, 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 and say, repeat after me and, and, all, and, and just stop it right there. Sanctification is a process. 2 Corinthians 2.15 says this. For we are, not, well, we are to God a fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved. Yes, you're saved when you ask for forgiveness and Jesus, you're going. But let me tell you what, there's not gonna, there, this doesn't stop until Jesus comes or you die. So sanctification is a process. Sanctification, one of the Holy Spirit's functions is this. It's to cultivate your walk. It's to make you walk better. It's to make you talk better. And why does it really matter? Because it's there to transform you more and more into the likeness of who Jesus is. In this process, what happens when you get saved? Sanctification starts. In this process, you start seeing some change in your life. All of a sudden, you're not really thinking the way that you used to think. I'm not saying there's not thoughts that don't creep in. and I'm not saying you don't have struggles. But, but you start thinking a little bit differently. Your emotions change just a little bit because the Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of you. You start seeing spiritual things. You start talking differently. You start walking differently. You start seeing things differently. Or you should. 
Oh, there's another one. Salvation, saved, justification, it means made righteous. That's God's work. That's what he does for you. But sanctification involves our cooperation. We got to walk with it. We got to talk with it. We got to go with it. The Bible says walk in the spirit. It says live by the spirit. And it says keep in step with the spirit. The process takes deliberate action on our part. Romans 9:12 says this. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you shall obey it and its lust. We should willfully We should willfully depart from the things that are sinful. And sometimes our old will wants to pull us back. Our old will wants to to keep us in a place where we're at. But we need to deliberately make a, a, a step forward and say, God, I'm going with you no matter what. Sin slows down your process and even stops it sometimes. So many people, once they get engrossed, they stop coming to church. They stop listening to anything. But the process of sanctification is knowing that I'm being saved every day. So get up every morning and say, man, God, I know you're going to save me a little bit more today. You're going to save me a little bit more today. And I know this is, a, this is kind of comical, but it's, being, it's a transformative thing that this doesn't happen overnight. So many people get discouraged and they start thinking, I just can't do this when they mess up one time. But let me tell you, baby, you, you're going to mess up. And when you do, he is just to forgive you of your sins. Okay, now here's the one that you'll get in, I'm going to get in trouble. I'll need two drinks. <laughs> Number three, grow in maturity. The other day we were swimming in the pool, and they were all sitting on the side of the pool, and I decided to do a cannonball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> and Minnie, Pastor Minnie said, you're getting my hair wet. And I know she was thinking, he is so immature, because you know why? I am. <laughs> I think like a child sometimes, you know? So, uh, so maturity, but let me tell you what. Maturity doesn't necessarily mean, mean age. It could be being more responsible. It doesn't necessarily, yeah, right. Okay, I'm going on. But let's talk about the rela- your relationship with God. There's different backgrounds in this church. Some of y'all was raised in church your whole life. Other of you all, maybe you've been, this is the first week you've been in church, or maybe you've only been here a couple of months. There's different backgrounds. There is no one-size-fits-all salvation. There is none. The Bible says work out your own salvation with what? Fear and trembling. It means you've got to work out your own story. You've got to work out your own life. You've got to work out my, my story is not your story. And so I, don't, I can't relate to you because maybe I've never been there. But listen to me. You're gonna, God's going to change your story because there's somebody that needs to hear your story because you've been there. This is your journey. Work it out. Baby Christians. I've, I've heard people say, we've got baby Christians in here. Well... Maybe they think they're, everybody's a little farther along than me, and gosh dang, everybody in the whole church knows the words to the song, and I don't even know any of them. And, you know, those people are raising their hands, and, man, I feel really weird raising my hands. And uh, you feel awkward and ashamed because this is all new to you. The Bible calls us babes in Christ. Babies don't feed themselves. If they do, you know the result of that. SpaghettiOs everywhere. 
They don't walk by themselves until a certain age. Their behaviors are different, and they speak different. They have to learn how to do all of these things. Listen, you're going to stumble. You're going to fall. You're going to say things you shouldn't say. You're going to do things you shouldn't do. Keep growing. You can't and won't be a baby forever. If you're still sucking on a pacifier at six years old, something wrong. I had a little niece. I don't know how. I think she's four or five years old. And she'd come up very smart. And she'd come up, that thing, and I called it her sucky. And she'd be sitting there. Okay. And I'd say, how are you doing today, Emily? She'd go, I'm doing very well. <laughs> I was like, girl, mom, you need to take that thing away. And get... Anyway, I'm going on. You can't be a baby. You can't be a baby forever. You have to grow up. Then you have to ask the question, am I growing me? And we hear it all the time in the church world. I'm just not being fed or, or I just need more depth. Let me tell you something. Everybody in this room, everybody watching on, online, hey online, good to have you with us this morning. Just don't turn me off yet. Watching online and most people in America have the most access to Christian learning that we ever have. There's churches everywhere. There's books everywhere. There's TV shows. There's websites. There's conferences. There's blogs, tweets, radio, Bibles. The Bible's in 67 gazillion translations right now. And we say, we're not being fed. I need more. Should people view church? Oh, help me. Stay tuned. Should people view church as a spiritual fast food joint? We live in a self-absorbed society. We want it our way, and you better get it done in an hour or less. Can I just tell you something? When I'm about to eat me some Thanksgiving dinner, that dinner takes time to prepare. You got to put love into that into that dressing. You got to put love into that bird. And whatever what we're so used to is grabbing our turkey microwave dinner, wanting it done in about two minutes so we can be done. We want the buffet on Sunday. We want to be so full when we leave, and then we get out on Monday, Tuesday, when we starve ourselves to death. What a way to start going deeper. What happens if we don't have a church to come to? What happens if there's not a preacher to preach to you? I believe we have some times coming to America. We have some times coming that you may not be able to hear this every Sunday. You may not be able to listen to this every Sunday. The Bible says, you, and I'm going to talk about the Bible next week, but it says you've got to hide it in your heart. Church and preaching should be an add-on to your growth and going deeper and not your only source. If Sunday's your only source, you're going to starve to death. If all I ever say or all Pastor Mindy or whoever's up here is, if that's all you ever get, you are going to be eternally starving. Here, Paul, he's speaking to the church here. Listen, 1 Corinthians 3, 2, he says, I fed you with milk. And not with solid food. For until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able. What he's saying is I gave you all of the easy stuff. And you couldn't even do that. Yeah. Hebrews 5.12. 
says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you. I'm talking to some seasoned people who've been in church their whole life. Here, come on, come on. You need someone to teach you again the first principles or oracles of God. That you have come to need milk and not solid food. Ephesians 4.15. It says, speaking the truth in love, you can grow up in all things. Here's a seasoned Christian. They've been in church a lot. They know all the stories. They can sing the songs without looking at the screen. But sometimes the people with the most access to Jesus take it for granted and become desensitized to it. I've had people walk through that door out there and say, this, is, I, this was the first time I've been here. I felt the spirit all over. The, I, I don't know what I was feeling. It was just crazy. I was crying. I was, and I've had people that come over here for three years saying, well, I wish they would have sung a better song. <laughs> Sometimes you get desensitized because you have so much access. They say, I've sang that song before instead of how can I let this song change me and my worship? Oh, I've heard that message before instead of what can I learn from this message? I went to, I went to a, I love the prodigal son. Y'all probably heard him 43 times. It's my story. I'm sticking to it. And I've preached it eight different ways. And I went to a conference one time and a guy got up there, well-known speaker, and he preached it in a way I had never heard. I would. I'm not a big note taker. Y'all better, okay, we're going to start taking notes in this church. I'm just letting y'all know right now. <laughs> I'm not a big note taker, but then I started grabbing envelopes, and I was like, oh, my gosh, i got to write this all down because it was so good because you know why? The Word of God is living, and it's breathing, and it's always. <laughs> we say, i got to go to church instead of saying, how can I be the church? Do you really want to grow? Oh, I'm about to ask. Do you really want to grow? We have Bible studies on cruise. Guess how many people show up? I don't know. Not very many. We have prayer here every first Wednesday morning, Wednesday night, sorry. About 15% of the church shows up. I want to grow, Pastor. Well, when you have those things offered to you to get to the place where you need to go and grow, take advantage of those things. Sometimes we listen to a message and we sing a song and we go to church, but are we really applying it? We say we want more, but what are we doing with what we have? I saw this on Facebook. It says spiritual maturity is also measured on how fast we obey God. Thank you, Clarissa. James 1, listen to this now. James 1.22 says this. But be doers. Say doers. doers. And not hearers only. Because if, that, if that's how you are, you're deceiving yourself. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. He observes himself and he goes away, and immediately he forgets what kind of man that he is. What happens is, he goes to church on Sunday, he gets the spiritual high, he goes to the conference, and he's all hyped up, but after a little while, he forgets what he looks like because he stopped looking into the mirror of God. 
That's why it's so important to put what we hear and what we learn and what we see into practice because you have to keep practicing it. you got to keep doing it. You know what? This thing right here, it gets better over time. It ain't saying it's hard, but it does get... Praying gets easier if you pray. Reading your word, and I'm, gonna talk, I'm not going give to give you next week, but reading your word changes your life. So how do I go deeper? Number four, change is necessary. Here are some truths about growth and change. If there is no change, there is no growth. My wife's always on me. I, I like to kind of, I get comfortable where I'm at, and I like it a certain way, and then she says, knock a wall out. I get comfortable and where I'm at, and she says, we're going to paint the building. Thank you, Taylor, too. But change is inevitable, and you have to learn how to embrace because God never wants you to stop growing. You're going to continue to grow until the day you die, I said, or he comes and gets you. Philippians 1.6, it says, being confident of change and being the very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. Until the day of Christ. Your growth depends on your ability to embrace change. Be willing to embrace change when the opportunity comes. Why? Because you grow most in the midst of change. You're not growing when you're doing the same old thing you've always done. You're not growing in complacency. You're, you're not growing in that just, oh, laying around all the day. You know, we're not growing in that. Growth can be painful, it can make you uncomfortable, but when you grow, you're exercising your new muscles that you've just learned to get. Baby learns how to walk, it takes it a little time, it's wobbling around a little bit, but after a while, it learns how to walk and be mature. This is going to be uncomfortable, but you're developing muscles to go deeper. You're developing muscles to go to the next level, and you need to keep growing. Wow, that wasn't a good place to say everybody stand. Everybody stand, please. Time that out better. I just want to let you know this morning, I brought you a pretty simple message. And, but it's got a deep impact on your growth and going deeper. Again, I believe we're heading into a place maybe we've not seen before. Maybe we're heading to a place where we not might be able to gather like this or have access to everything that we have. We've got to go deeper. We've got to stretch ourselves, and we've got to come out of our comfort zone, and we've got to grow together. You know why? Because we're better together. Are you ready to go deeper? Do you want to be all in? The first step is this. The first step is salvation. Sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? The very first thing you have to start doing is you have to accept the free gift of salvation. I know, listen to me, I know you've heard that before. But today, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Making a real decision to follow Christ. Asking for forgiveness. And listen to me when I say this. Not only for your sins, but forgiving yourself. That's the big one. Yes, we can ask God to forgive us, but there's times we can't forgive ourselves. And also confessing who Jesus is and not believing the lies of the enemy. He's telling you something that's absolutely not true. So I'm asking you this morning, if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, this is your day. 
This is the day that you can make it happen. If you want to start that journey of going deeper, the first step is to accept Jesus. Is there anyone in here this morning would raise their hand and just say, I've never accepted Jesus as my Savior, and, and I really want to start this journey. Anybody would slip up their hand? I see that hand. If you're watching online and you've made that decision, if you would, comment, and we want to, we want to get in touch with you. We want to help you. Second one, I'm talking to the seasoned folk up in here. You've experienced Christ, but, you know, you've really not put forth your best effort. Maybe you've been going halfway or you've been kind of easing through life. Jesus is calling us to a different place. And that place is we have to embrace the journey. Because there is no end point of this thing. I'm going to ask you, if you would, while they get ready to sing. If you need prayer, the prayer team is going to be up here. If you need agreement, we will be up here at the altar to agree with you. But if you want to accept Jesus this morning, this is the great morning to do it. If you want to go a little deeper with God in worship, this is the morning to do it. We hope you enjoyed this message on the My Big Church podcast. We thank everyone who has given to support this ministry. To find out more about how to support financially or more about Big Church, you may visit our website, mybigchurch.com. If you live in the Louisville, Kentucky area and don't have a church home, we would love to have you as our guest at Big Church. We are located at 7209 Faganbush Lane in Louisville, and we have worship services at 945 and 1130 every Sunday. Thank you again for listening to the My Big Church podcast.